I think it's it's not just Jamstack. This is kind of common in web development nowadays. Is is we don't build these things from scratch anymore, right? Like um, because you know why why should I? I used to build a bunch of sites, and every time I basically rebuild a CMS, it's like you know why would I create a CMS? Like I don't ever want to create a CMS. It's not really my expertise. So like I'd rather get a CMS and rely on a company that knows how to create a CMS and has you know, experts on that kind of thing. Same thing with the search. Hey, this is another episode of 20 Minute JavaScript where we cover everyone's favorite programming language with multiple guests from the community. This episode, as always, is hosted by OpenReplay, an open-source session replay tool for front-end developers. If you're looking for a way to understand how your users interact with your application, check out OpenReplay. I'm Fernando Loglio, your host and podcast ninja for at least the next 20 minutes. Today, we have with you not one, but two guests, so make sure you pay attention. We're going to be talking about The Shamstack with Brian Rinaldi and Raymond Camden, authors, among other things, of The Shamstack book by Manning. So guys, welcome, and please introduce yourself ideally with more words than I did. Uh, my name is Brian Rinaldi. I am a developer experience engineer at LaunchDarkly, uh, but I've also been using the Jamstack since, well, well before we started calling it Jamstack, um, I started early days with Jekyll, um, and I've been doing a lot with all these technologies since. Um, wrote a couple books, one one with Ray prior to this, and now the new one. Um, so yeah, that, that's me. Yeah. Hi, I'm uh, Raymond Camden. I am a evangelist for Adobe. I've uh, been involved in the Jamstack five, six years or so, definitely before the term came out. Uh, before that, I was heavily um, involved in the app server community around Cold Fusion. Uh, so pretty much for 10 plus years, everything I did was an app server type, type job. And uh, Jamstack was a revelation for me. Uh, so <laughs> uh, switch. All right. Awesome, thank you. So, from what I hear, then it looks like you've been doing it way before it was cool. <laughs> no, 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 so, no. It was no? cool at the time. We just oh, we right. were we were we were the only cool ones. We were just a small yeah. group of cool. All oh, right, all right. My bad, my bad. Trends, <laughs> yeah. Trends, that that's that's the word. All right, fantastic. So, for those who don't know what we're talking about, uh, can you quickly tell the audience what is the Shamstack and Kind of uh, how has it evolved since it was coined the term? Uh, sure. Well, it started out as just static sites. We used to, we called it static sites. I mean, in fact, our first book together was called Working with Static Sites um, because you'd use a static site generator like Jekyll or Hugo um, and later on things like Gatsby and stuff to generate static files that would then be uploaded to like a you know via a whole ci cd process to something like Net netlify or vercel um and that the reason we kind of changed the name is because this 
didn't really describe what we were building. They weren't just purely static sites. They had dynamic elements. We were con using APIs and other third-party services and things to add to make very dynamic sites. So that's why we kind of changed the term to Jamstack. It's a bit misleading because it's not really a stack. Um, it's more of a methodology of how you build sites because there's a thousand different ways, at least, that you could build sites. Um, like Ray loves Eleventy, I like Hugo, Next.js, and some other stuff. Um, you know, and each of these has different approaches for how you build things, um, even though the underlying concepts are all the same. Right, Ray? Yep. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. Yeah, and you know, I, I I don't get too hung up on the name. You know, if, if we can accept serverless, if we can accept cloud, then we can accept Jamstack. <laughs> That's fair. All right. Um, all right. So you guys mentioned um, uh, that it all started essentially with static sites, right? Um, is that, but, but it evolved, right? Uh, you've been adding dynamic content and, and it was, it's been evolving into, into something else. So um, is it fair to say that Shamstack or, you know, this way of architecting essentially applications is not just for simple Uh, sites like static sites or simple blocks uh, and and you can actually build complex uh, applications with it yeah I, I would say absolutely uh, you know I think at the beginning uh, when the tools were a bit more rough you know it was definitely more tuned for simpler sites and by the way I think when we say simple we shouldn't like say that in a bad way there's absolutely a lot of value um, in simple sites and, and they're also very very important Um, but I definitely with the amount of tools we have, with the variety of tools, especially like Hugo and Eleven, it couldn't be more different, I think. Uh, but that's great because that means like for your team, you could find something that's going to work well. Uh, everything has leveled up in the last five or so years, uh, to make it, uh, definitely, I think more, uh, appropriate for more complex websites. Yeah. And if you look at something like, uh, like a Next.js or, or other similar, Nuxt and other similar types of, uh, you know, well, still call them static site generators, but even, even those have server-side rendering and edge rendering, which, like, renders on an edge function, um, which is, I, you know, we could spend the whole 20 minutes just explaining what the heck that means. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the point being, this has gotten... Well, it's gotten more complex um, in both good and bad ways. I mean, I'd say the good is there really isn't a type of site you can't build with these tools. The bad being we've lost sight a little bit of the simplicity that some of us, um, I'll speak for Ray, assuming I think we were both drawn in by like this was kind of getting back to the basics of how you built sites back in the day. And now, you know, when I gave a talk that was you know, uh, an hour just talking about different rendering methods um, in the Jamstack and, and how you pick and choose what, how you render a page, um, which is an important topic, but also, like, when you're getting that deep, it, we've lost a little bit of the simplicity. Um, it's very powerful, but it's not so simple anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to clarify, though... I, 
to Ray's point, some of those tools still allow for that simplicity. Like, I think that's why Ray loves 11D. You don't have to dig into that yeah. complexity. Right. So you have you have the, the simplicity from the original, uh, from, the, from the get-go, but if you want to uh, get into the details and, and customize it and, and, you know, get that power, you also have that option. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... From what I've been trying to understand on the Shamstack, because I never personally work with it, um, you distribute the, 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 the business logic out, right? Uh, you, you, you focus on the UI, is that? Um, and then you use services to, to get that, to orchestrate essentially, or sorry, you orchestrate the external business logic uh, on, on your own, but the Core, the core functionality is not developed by you, but it's developed uh, by third parties. Is that kind of a fair assessment? Um, I'd say yes and no. Um, we use a lot of third-party services for some of the external stuff, but that doesn't mean that, that that's all you do. You, do. Um, you can write your own Lambda functions and use those um, you can have a backend that's even a database and use that. Uh, it doesn't have to rely on on a third party. Um, obviously, this is generally speaking going to be deployed where the quote unquote backend is serverless. It's all functions sitting out there um, deployed uh, separately, but usually that's handled by whatever deployment tool you use. Um, so, so yes and no. I, I think the the part that I'd quibble with is more the that you only rely on the third party stuff, where it's not just that; it's it's a combination. Okay. Yeah, I think you know a good example of that is that I had these old sites that were using SQL Server on the back end. Uh, that wasn't third party; that was part of my stack. I could absolutely still use SQL Server uh, for the Jamstack, just that I would use it during the build. Uh, I wouldn't be in production hitting SQL Server for data that's not changing. My build would hit my uh, tables, get my information, and print that out and just be done with it. So it's not a third-party service at all in that case. Understood. All right. Yeah. Interesting. And you could hit SQL Server from a, a Lambda if you want to, um, you know, at, if you needed live data when the site, is, you know, that changes on the site as well. Um, but the goal being, you want to pre-build, to you know, to raise point. You want to pre-build as much as you can, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want, otherwise. I mean, if it's if everything's just server rendered, then you've kind. I feel like you've kind of lost like a little bit of like what what makes Jamstack great. Um, some people quibble with that. Some people disagree, uh, and we like in the Jamstack community to debate what the heck Jamstack means. Um, so, you know, there's still, there's still people who would disagree with that, but um, I'd be right and they'd be wrong. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay. Uh, my understanding was, was uh, not entirely correct then, but while you still can... Uh, Write and and, and and create that that part of uh, backend logic uh, that you're saying uh, that still may rely on third-party services. Are you comfortable in relying on these services in the sense that um, uh, if there 
rich enough ecosystem, let's put it that way, uh, of third-party services that allows you to create these kind of uh, complex applications without you having to write the whole thing uh, from scratch. Uh, like, essentially, um, you, you mentioned SQL Server, uh, so that would mean you, actually, you, you have your own SQL service. Uh, but have you found any limitation as to, you know, you know, as a, a type of service, a type of system that you needed and was not available in the way of an API that you had to, uh, to write your, yourself every time? No, I mean, I, it feels like there really is an API for everything out there. And in cases where there isn't, there's serverless to do really weird, complex stuff. And even then, I'll still be using APIs probably. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think I found that usually there's more than one service that can do um, and you're just the hard part is picking which one really best suits your use case um, and you know most of these are are really designed to be highly available so this is not like something where you know your your site necessarily goes down because because of a service goes down and in fact the whole architecture is really designed where that would only break the piece that connects to that particular service um, so like any any page that has pre-rendered content obviously that that functions so so maybe a piece of the page that has some dynamic aspects isn't isn't is down but the rest of the site still works um, and that's one of the things like having come from you know a background where like you know, I'd have database connection errors that took my site down <laughs> for for extended periods and things like that. Um, you know, I I love the idea that that this was always available, um, and and even you can isolate some of that functionality so that it doesn't necessarily break your site if some particular service is down. Uh, it just kind of limits the functionality of the site a little bit. And what they, and you know, I, if I'm relying on Lambda to do something, if that goes down, there are incredibly much more intelligent people than me working to fix it. So I'm, I'm totally fine with uh, relying on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, if, you can pretty much uh, uh, be sure that if that goes down, then uh, yeah, there's really a lot of things going down at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and uh, so it sounds like there is a lot of tools that you can use and you can pick from. So I will be interested in knowing what I, what is your, let's call it stack within the shop stack, your preferred stack. Uh, what what do you usually go with? Sure, I'll go first. Um, I use Eleventy for the static site generator. Um, what I have found is that all these generators have their own way of doing things, and some are very prescriptive, like you must do it this way, and they fight you if you want to kind of break the rules. And Eleventy lets you do anything. It lets you break the rules. It lets <laughs> you bad, bad code if you want. You know, I want that freedom uh, to be able to go outside the box when I need to. Um, a great example of that is that uh, they support a lot, t t a lot of unique languages, and I needed to do something kind of weird, and Liquid wouldn't support that, so Jekyll wouldn't be an option. Uh, but because Eleveny allowed me to switch one file over to EJS, which is 
not a pretty language, uh, but EGX lets you do anything. So Levity basically, you know, allowed me to kind of, uh, you know, do that weird custom thing when I needed to. Um, I use Netlify for my hosts. Uh, they've been really, really good, very performant. Um, in terms of API services, I kind of use a lot of different ones. Uh, the one I've been kind of most interested in lately is Fauna for generic DB type access. Oh, and Algolia for searching has been really, really darn nice. Yep, I would agree with, with those recommendations. I, I don't use Eleventy myself all that much. I like if I'm doing straight static stuff, I use a tool called Hugo, which is built in Go, um, which works great for me if I have a lot of pages because it's really, really fast. Um, and I've been using it for a long time, so I'm comfortable with it. Uh, I also have used Next.js when I need something with more of a front-end framework-focused um, tool set. Uh, I've, I've recently started getting into SvelteKit, which, which uses Svelte. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm really liking that as well. Totally curious about one called Astro, uh, but I have not gotten to dig into it much. Uh, that looks really, really cool. It has this islands architecture that allows you to only kind of enable with JavaScript the pieces of the site that need the JavaScript. Otherwise, it kind of decides, like, okay, you don't need JavaScript for this piece. We will not have pushed out JavaScript for that piece. So you can kind of you can still use React components and things like that, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're shoving React down with every single page. Um, so you can cut down on the bundle size. Uh, I think Ray's API recommendations are great. I've, you know, for headless CMS, I mean, I've used both like Sanity and Contentful. They're both great. Um, Algolia, as you mentioned, is excellent. Fauna is also really great. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, kind of, I'd say for the APIs and stuff, it really depends on the project. I don't necessarily have like a, I have to pull these things. It's like, what am I building and which APIs? And then I'll often do dig into doing a little research. But I, I also deploy it to Netlify um, and have been using them since the very, very beginning, basically, uh, and, and love them. Awesome. Great recommendations. And are you... I'm, I'm, I'm wondering here because uh, one thing that I will struggle with is um, when finding new services uh, is that should I, you know, should I trust this service? Is it, uh, is it reliable enough? Are they doing things right? Are they going to be going to uh, out of business next week? I don't know. Um, how do you deal with that uncertainty when you're, when you're looking for something new that you don't know uh, how to do? I mean... It's really just a matter of research, I think. Um, you know, I don't... If these are companies and things that, you know, they don't tend to go out of business overnight. Um, most of these are well-funded startups or, or well beyond that even. Um, you know, like the ones we mentioned, Algolia, Fauna, Contentful, Sandy. I mean, these have all been around for years. I'm not concerned that they go away overnight. Um, you know... And there are obviously some that are just some developer who put something out there, um, and there's a bit of risk relying on those, but, you know, you can kind of make judge on your project, particularly if, if it's statically built content, um, like that's being 
you're pulling from the API on the back end instead of pulling from the API on the front end, if it were to go down at some point, that doesn't break your site. So you can kind of judge. I do research and make a judgment call. I'm about ready. It's probably the same thing. Yeah, I mean, even if I wasn't doing Jamstack, if I was evaluating a service, it's the same criteria. You know, who's behind it? How long has the company been around? Look at their support options. Look at how well they respond in general. Uh, typical DevRel type stuff that I do at my job. I look to see how they're doing it right. on their service. Yeah, and I think I think it brings up an important point, which is that what I, one of the things I love about Jamstack, but I think it's it's not just Jamstack. This is kind of common in web development nowadays. Is mm-hmm. we don't build these things from scratch anymore, right? Like um, mm-hmm. because you know why. Why should I? I used to build a bunch of sites, and every time I basically rebuild a CMS, it's like, you know, why would I create a CMS? Like, I don't ever want to create a CMS. It's not really my expertise. So, like, I'd rather get a CMS and rely on a company that knows how to create a CMS and has, you know, experts on that kind of thing. And same thing with the search and, and etc. So, like, you know, I can fo- I can then focus on building the site as opposed to kind of creating all the underlying technologies that make the site work um, and leave those to to kind of companies that have expertise in those specific areas. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It kind of, it's like a, a higher level uh, version of the discussion of whether should you create a li- your every single library for, uh, on your own Or are you okay with depending on uh, you know having third-party dependencies in your code? Um, I think that yeah, the, the same argument can be made absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, if you're choosing Jamstack, you're probably comfortable with her. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I, but I I gotta say I love it. I lo- you know like I said I don't ever want to build auth again. If I have to build auth again <laughs> like that, you know, because I'm not good at that, and it's probably not that secure. But like, there's companies that know auth <laughs> and do it great, and it's just yeah. plug that into my site, done. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's made it's made the whole process much more enjoyable to, for me. Interesting. All right. Finally, last question, and this is coming actually from myself, uh, because I, uh, during the research, I found this concept of full stack on Shamstack that I, I'm really having a hard time reconciling it. Um, so, can you give me and uh, the audience kind of a quick version of an explanation of? How do you think about that full stack on uh, on Shamstack and and uh, kind of the frameworks around it? Well, um, something like a Next.js or SvelteKit or Nuxt.js or now Gatsby, um, they are all they have both a back end and front end. Um, you know, so it is full stack. Uh, like Next.js, for instance, React front end. And you know, you, to some degree, use React on the back end as well, but it's most—it's like it's running on Node. Um, so it is full stack. It doesn't run like in it, it, what it does when you deploy it. Is it actually takes all of your back end code and deploys that off into serverless functions. So, so this is like you are doing full stack when you when you do like have SSR pages, like server-side render pages and stuff like that, that's a full-stack framework. 
it's just not deployed in the way like you might think for your typical full stack where like you're deploying onto some server the entire stack like this it automatically goes and separates out like all of your functions and deploys those out as serverless functions for you um, so it's structured it's designed to like be able to kind of figure out what those pieces are and deploy them for you if that that makes sense yeah absolutely thank you interesting okay all right so um let's just go into the uh quick round that we ask to every uh, of every guest i know ray has to go in, in in a few minutes so let's let's just go quickly before he leaves um so first question is what's the best advice you ever got uh career-wise or otherwise if it's if it's not tech related i will absolutely share that the best advice i've ever gotten is don't skip on a bed like spend good money on a bed i thought that was stupid and a waste of money <laughs> i lay down on that bed and realize how much i like sleep <laughs> so that was given to me and i give that advice all the time interesting all right so next question uh what's the most exciting project to work on hmm i'm trying um i mean i've i've built a lot of like uh company sites recently like You know, I, I worked for a couple of startups recently and, and Honest built, like the last one, I built their whole site uh, using Next.js. Uh, so that was an exciting project. But I, right now, I'm mostly excited. Like, I, I got to kind of, I mentioned earlier, I messed around with SvelteKit and I was really enjoying Svelte. And, and even though that's not exciting in the same terms of, like, I built some grandiose thing, um, it was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. I actually uh, recorded uh, an episode about Svelteki uh, a few hours ago. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be probably um, released with yours as well. If you're interested, keep an eye on it. Final question. Uh, what's one thing uh, that you wish you knew before you started coding? How unimportant math was. I've used math like once in the last 20 years. <laughs> I mean, outside like average, you know, stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah. Was, I never used any calculus ever in my whole career. But I bet you, but I bet you heard a lot of, you know, that, that math was important, right? Yeah. 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 I would say like, you know, I was so focused on getting the project right when I was young. Like I thought there was a right way to do things. Um, and often I sacrifice getting the project done to getting the project right. Um, and, and, you know, anything you write today is tomorrow's legacy code that you're going to be like, ah, you know, yeah, I would have done that differently. So I've learned to kind of focus more on getting the project done um, as opposed to getting it perfect. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. All right. That's all the time you have. Uh, so thank you both for being here, for coming. And uh, please, again, tell everyone where they can find you and we'll just add all those links to the show notes. Raymond Camden on Twitter and my DMs are open and I love questions. Yeah, all right. and I'm at Remote Synth on Twitter uh, and my DMs are open as well, but send your questions to Ray. <laughs> 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 all right, guys. Thank you again for being here and uh, for the explanations. Yeah. Thank All you. Right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Catch you on the next one. Bye.